Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor, and I'm here with Steve Jones, longtime friend, uh, pastor in our has been a pastor in a number of churches in our fellowship of Evangelical Baptist churches. But more recently in your career, you have become the president of the Fellowship of Evangelical Baptist Churches. For those of you who don't know Steve, that's who our guest is today. And uh, Steve is a member of our church, very involved in uh, church at the high level and at the low level. And Steve, you know what what we want to talk about. Uh, We're talking about what everyone is talking about. And we're not going to resolve the matter today, but the church in 2022, for the last two years has been dealing with um, government who just does not seem to look the same way at church the way it did 50 or even 100 years ago. There just mm-hmm. seems to be mm-hmm. um, this encroachment, this overreach, and the political climate uh, that has got a lot of people running around with their hair on fire. And I just wanted to talk with you about um, your thoughts about the posture that the church should have when uh, the government is no longer the friend that it used to be. And what are you observing? What, what are people, what are leaders talking to you about? And, and how can we just be in the right place during these days? Okay, well, uh, it's great to be here with you, Bob. Appreciate the opportunity to speak on this issue. It's one in which our Fellowship National Council, of which uh, is my accountability, the directors over our our association of churches, they're very interested in trying to give our churches, support our churches with good information. Uh, just uh, two, three years ago, we instituted a new uh, newsletter called the Fellowship Religious Freedom Watch, where we have, it's an eight-page newsletter that mm-hmm. just has pastors and lawyers writing articles that are germane to what our concerns mm-hmm. are, current stuff. Uh, we've been doing petitions. Uh, this this last week, we approved a letter to go to the prime minister related to uh, his mandate letter in December that asks uh, the, some tax reform that might take charitable status away from pro-life groups. So we're trying to do our best on behalf of our churches to inform our churches, but also be lobbyists. The reality is, as you mentioned in your introduction, um, this is not a new thing. Uh, You and I both know that. I mean, uh, really, between 1867 and 1967, it would be very difficult to not agree that the the Judeo-Christian ethic Mm -hmm. was molded our society. And and even in those days, you know, at least people understood the basic tenets of Christianity, understood our jargon— uh, they may even give assent to there is a God. Uh, those days are long gone. Yeah, I mean, to be a Christian today is now to be, uh, we're weird once mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. We're, as Peter said, peculiar people. Mm-hmm. And um, they don't understand us, and it's even moved from indifference to hostility. And that's what we're, 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 we're really uh, seeing. I mean, some people say, when did that all start? And uh, many who I've read said it probably started around, you know, 1982 with the Charter of Rights being signed. And now we're a nation that is charter-centered as opposed to Christ, Christ-centered. Not that we were ever a Christian church. Mm-hmm. I don't in any way to want to intimate that. But mm-hmm. there was a Judeo-Christian ethic that just bound us to certain values and beliefs. 
And uh, since then, the legislation since uh, the 80s has been not in our way. So by way of introduction, I just want to make sure we all know this is not new, although it seems mm-hmm. to be accelerating in the last uh, decade, certainly. So are, are we going to be mad at the government? Uh, do is that become part of our mandate now to uh, speak prophetically to them, to give them a piece of our mind? We want our our privileges back, that kind of thing. So how how does the church respond to that? Nothing, or do we we just keep preaching the word and uh, just hope Jesus comes soon? What? What are we supposed to do? We do have rights, right? Paul asserted yeah. his rights. He, he appealed to Caesar, which was his right. Um, he was concerned about uh, how the gospel would be affected uh, by not using his rights. I and mean, that's why he invoked his rights was for the sake of the gospel. So um, so how do, how do we, how political should we be? And how, how do we posture ourselves um, with our MPs and our government? Yeah, to answer your initial question, my answer is yes. Now, we do have to speak up, but we also need to guarantee we don't lose sight of what the real mission is here. And um, that seems to be a problem. That's, that's a more recent thing I'm seeing with you know, our obsession with social media and, uh, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, the division between good Christian people on these issues. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, that's what seems to be newer. Mm-hmm. And we got to just keep focus. I've heard you in, in the sermons recently telling us that. Let's, let's not lose sight of mission because we're, yeah. we get uptight about some of these uh, things. Right now, as we sit here, there's a lot of trucks in Ottawa. Yeah. And you know, some of our people are very interested in that, part, partnering with it. Friends of mine are down there. Good Good people. Um, and I'm somewhat sympathetic, but I'm not involved. And so, uh, I, I don't think I saw your picture down and on where you, you weren't down there, were you? <laughs> no, I wasn't. So why not? And, and I, you probably weren't prepared for this question. You don't have to answer it, but how are we to think of, of, uh, good evangelical members of our church, um, who are responding in this way and, Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to answer the question because I don't know if I've formulated a, a, a perfect answer in my head. But I am sympathetic to Canadians, many of which have never protested in their lives. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, in Alberta or in Montreal or in Ottawa um, and just need to be heard. I'm not sympathetic to breaking the law. Mm-hmm. And uh, when alcohol and drugs get involved, you know, and uh, as one person one MP I read said he was for the freedom convoy, but not the hateful hanger honors. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm, I'm very concerned. I, I, you know, so there is some sympathy as long as they, they obey the laws of the land. As Christians, they don't have the luxury to disobey. Mm-hmm. I mean, Romans, there's several scriptures in the New Testament give us guidance on you know, submitting to civil authorities. I mean, the classic one is Roman 13. And mm-hmm. verse 1 says, I am to submit yeah. to that governing authority. In fact, in uh, what I recall, it's in three of six occasions in six verses, three of six verses, uh, the, the, um, the governing, governing authority, the civil authorities mm-hmm. are referred to as God's servant. Yeah. So to disobey them, in essence, is implicit in that, is I'm disobeying God. So, you know, what's happening in Ottawa, I believe... Uh, needs to morph into something else. This is, this is uh, 
this would be wise. I'm talking to the, the believers, mm-hmm. the Christians. You know, there are some of the people, and there's all kinds of them. Some of them are equating this with a, uh, a spiritual awakening. I know a lot of guys there, F. Trudeau, and all, I mean, they're not really our tribe, but those of us who are down there are looking at this not so much as a political thing, but they're having prayer times, they're doing evangelism, and they're starting to think in terms that this might be the trigger to a spiritual awakening. I don't know what I think about that. Maybe you don't either, but... Yeah, I, I don't know, Bob. I mean, that's the, some of this is news to me. But I would say, you know, the, the, a political motivation is probably not going to be the the crucible upon which we'll see a spiritual revival. Mm-hmm. I mean, year, uh, several years ago, I had one of these uh, Ipso Reed um, pollsters phone me out of the blue saying, will you take a, you know, a survey with them over the phone? And I did. Mm-hmm. And they asked me, what is the greatest need in Canada today? And I said, you're probably never going to hear this from mm-hmm. anyone else, but it's the need of a spiritual revival. And I believe that's going to happen from the church, the church, the local churches where Christians are going to be revived, and then evangelism is one of the byproducts of that. A political stand in Ottawa, I'm, I'm less convinced that that's going to be the start of mm-hmm. a spiritual revival. So, yeah, that's some thoughts on that. Yeah. So how, how careful should we be... Um, in, in affirming our rights. You've mentioned in our prayer gathering that you're part of on Thursday mornings, how in Quebec, for instance, our churches are dealing with a different kind of mandate there. The, the vaccine passports have been imposed on the church. It just, how do you take that? And how are they taking that in Quebec? Is, is this an opportunity for us to become a little more militant with the government or do we turn the other cheek? Well, what are they doing? Yeah, so what's happening in Quebec is that they have gathered together with like-minded uh, bodies of Christ. And they've also gathered together with other religious faith groups in two separate forums that speak as a singular voice mm-hmm. to, the poli- to the government. Mm-hmm. And when we, we are in sort of a, what I would refer to as um, intra-evangelical cooperation, we have a louder voice. Mm-hmm. And that has enabled... Uh, the Quebec church, at least our churches I'm speaking of, to have a louder voice to the government. And, you know, the government has backed down as a result of these voices. The current situation with vaccine passports was instituted on February 17th. I just heard this week that they're removing it on February 21st. Now, are so you it only saying, lasted two weeks. Are you saying that's in part due to like a coalition of faith groups I'm hoping that would that's not what normally like Muslim and Christian? Is it that broad? Or Yes, it is. There, there's two different groups, one that's more evangelical and then one's a broader faith group. They're saying we have mutual uh, grievances or mutual concerns mm-hmm. that we can all speak on with Jew- Jewish people or people of Sikh faith or Muslims. And then there's the evangelical forum. That's It's a little tighter, closer, and they speak about wow. different issues with government related to that. That is often. very interesting, you know, because um, our, our voice has been uh, fractured, right, as, as people of faith, right? We don't get along. We don't do things together. Uh, but if there were ever to be a time when, and there are a lot of them in Canada, a lot of people of faith, 
but we don't have a voice because right. we're, we're too separate. We all have our own voices. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I be- remember well sitting in the prime minister's uh, uh, office several <clears throat> years ago with eight other evangelical l- leaders, and we were there to talk about some specific important issues that germane to evangelicals. Mm-hmm. We were sitting in the Queen's Room, which is a large round room with a large round table. This was with Prime Minister Stephen Harper with a large portrait of the Queen looking down on us. And the first thing he said when he looked at the EFC president who was amongst us, tell me again, remind me, how many many do you represent? And when Bruce said three to four million, I realized this politician was interested. Mm -hmm. They do listen to blocks and Mm -hmm. groups far more than a single church or a single Christian. Mm -hmm. I'm not negating the importance of us doing it individually, but collectively and cooperatively, we seem to have a louder louder voice. Okay, quick question, Steve. You mentioned that you're not about breaking the law, uh, but maybe you are. Are there times when Christians need to face that and break law? Well, I'm not going to espouse breaking law, but I do think in Scripture, while Romans 13 says we are to submit to authorities and do it, verse 7 says respectfully, what are we to be respectful? Mm-hmm. When we need to resist. We need to do it respectfully. When do we resist? I think there is ample evidence in Scripture that says there are occasions. For example, when the civil authorities ask us uh, not to do something, when God tells us to do it, we resist. Acts 4, Acts 5, John and Peter are told, do not preach Jesus' name. And in verse 29 or verse 28 of Acts 5, they look at the Jewish Sanhedrin and say, we must preach Jesus' name, but there will be consequences. Secondly, when civil authorities say you should do something, when God says you should not do something, we need to resist. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel 3 are told Mm -hmm. to bow to a golden... Uh, idol, and they say no, and they didn't, and they experience a fiery consequence. If we resist, there will be consequences. When we do resist, Mm -hmm. I believe we're to do it respectfully. Amen. Good word. Thanks, Steve. Okay, well, actually, that's a good segue into our podcast for next week, because we're almost out of time on this one, Mm -hmm. where I want to talk to you about the value of denominationalism. What what would be the need for groups like the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada, the, or Baptists, to come together? How important is that now, um, more than ever? Mm-hmm. And um, what about other coalitions mm-hmm. uh, for the purpose of communicating to government on matters of broad um, religious freedoms? Yeah. So we'll have that chat. But Steve, I want to thank you for joining with us this week. Uh, Steve Jones, president of the Fellowship of Evangelical Baptist Churches, situated in Guelph, Ontario. Uh, Steve, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Bob. And thank you for listening to Thinking About It, and we'll see you again next week. 